to big nerdy questions and last week we tackled a giant of fantasy with Game of Thrones so it's only appropriate that this week we go back to my bread and butter science fiction specifically we're not talking about a, a single franchise tonight we're talking about the technology in science fiction and which technologies would change our society the most of course there's a precedent for this the technologies that we saw in Star Trek, the original series, for example, ended up influencing engineers to make those very technologies a reality. Let's just hope nobody's trying to build a Death Star. Yeah. Uh, so we will discuss what might happen if people build these technologies today. On the panel, we have Colleen. Hello, Internet. And we have the person that when you think of B&Q and you think of person most likely to use technologies for something a little bit off kilter, we have Matt. Come to the dark side, Josh. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, JP is still off at that PBS Kids function signing autographs for Barney fans. <laughs> uh, we will see him soon. He is never living this down. He is never living it down. That yeah, it's great. I actually, as an aside, watched the Stargate SG One episode Thor's Hammer today. Uh, in preparation for this, because I wanted to watch Stargate, but also because it's called Thor's Hammer, and I, it just seemed appropriate. But yeah, I just was kept laughing about what would happen if Barney showed up in, in the Stargate. But Okay, now they need to do an episode about that. It could just be like a little special one. Uh, but before we get any further, uh, Matt, who's our sponsor tonight? Well, Josh, tonight's episode is brought to you by Waterbeds. Waterbeds, turning science fiction into science fact. Yes, that is true. For those of you who don't know uh, what Matt's talking about, Matt, will you briefly elucidate and educate our listeners? There was, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the short story, but there was actually a science fiction short story which had the concept of the waterbed for use in hospitals to prevent bed sores. And uh, about a decade later, somebody decided we should actually do that actually made the first waterbed and sold them to hospitals to prevent bed sores. And it actually became the first uh, lawsuit over a science fiction intellectual property being actually built as a technology. Uh, for the record, the author won. The more you badass. know. Yeah, well do, done, do, 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 do. And like I said, so many engineers today cite science fiction as inspiration for their ideas that otherwise would be quite fanciful. And honestly, the technology I... we have today far surpasses, if you watch like Next Generation made in the late 80s, see, sure, some technologies are still out of range, which we're going to discuss in a few minutes, like warp drive and transporters, things like that. But the pads and the computing technology, we've already surpassed it. Voice interface with a computer. We yeah. got that. Mm -hmm. And now... Although technically the, uh, people have been talking slash cursing at their computers for decades. Yeah, but now, but now the computer can talk back. And not only that, but there was actually recently an update to the uh, Amazon Alexa software for the, for the Echo device. You can now set it to have computer be the wake word. Yes. So you can actually yes. say computer... Yeah. Computer. I know. I was, I Computer. saw that and I was like, Star Trek! Star Trek! I was like, well, I guess I have to buy one of those. Well, now. I did see a, an article that said that wrestling fans are having problems with their Alexa because one of the major players right now is a woman named Alexa Bliss. And every time the ring announcer says her name, the Amazon Alexa goes off. <laughs> Which is kind of funny when you think about it. Well, it wasn't there that commercial or something was it was Burger King, wasn't it? That they yes. they did that, yeah. Yeah, and they also they also vandalized the Wikipedia page. Yeah, so, so well, that, oh, that's Wikipedia for you. What do you do? It's made to be vandalized. <laughs> Before we get more into this discussion, Colleen, I think your recommendation tonight is a film that people should watch with caution. Uh, so it's it's a terrible, horrible movie, and um, I found it it's on with riff tracks, so that makes it slightly more tolerable, I guess. But anyway, it's called um, Samurai Cop. It's a horrible movie. It's a, it's a movie that came out in the 80s, very low budget, and it's about this guy who's a, a cop who's also a samurai. 
crime. <laughs> and he's supposed to, he's recruited, you know, from one cop agency place, you know, and, and goes to another cop place, whatever. I don't know what it's called, station something, whatever. So anyway, he's supposed to, like, put an end to, like, these feuding Japanese gangs who are also, like, now beating up and killing cops in the area. Except I want to point out, he spends most of his, the, like, the whole film doing not that. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. <laughs> anyway, uh, and but I just want to point out that the, the, the Japanese that they speak is not actually Japanese. It's complete gibberish. It just kind of sounds like it's Japanese, but it's not. It's so low budget. It's horrible. They do their very first chase scene um, on, with a with a flat tire, and they don't ever seem to notice. And it's just it's so bad. It's so horrible, but it, it does later on in the movie start to get really, really weird. Kind of like the director went, you know what? This movie it just is not violent enough. Let's take it to clockwork orange level weirdness. And so I kind of stopped watching at that point. So it's worth watching if you want to watch like a really horrible, terrible 80s martial arts movie. Um, and there's also a sequel for those of you who want to keep watching that why does this sound like Quentin Tarantino <laughs> directing Jackie Chan in the 90s? It does sound like that. Yeah, except like with no budget. But isn't there a Jackie Chan franchise, Colleen, that was like, we got the second one first in the U.S. and it was the sequel was messed <gasps> I up? Love and... that movie. Yes, I love those movies. What um, is it called? Oh my gosh, nothing you asked me completely blanked on it. Hold on a second. <laughs> well, Op- it's Operation Condor. So it's Operation uh-huh. yes. Condor and Operation Condor 2. But the thing is, is that the Operation Condor 2 is actually the first one, and Operation Condor is actually the sequel. And the reason why in the English naming conventions they're reversed is because the sequel was released in the United States first, and then the first movie was released in the U.S. second. So, huzzah. Uh, but they're also really bad movies, but I love them so much. They're so good. So that's actually another second recommendation. You should watch the Operation Contour movies. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful. Our fans are going to hate us for today. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the first one is called, like, The Armor of the Gods, which, you know, enough said. It's Jackie trying to save his ex-girlfriend from people who kidnapped her who also want the pieces of some mystical armor, which sounds a lot like Ronan Warriors, but whatever. And then the the second one, Operation Condor 2, or what, no, maybe that one's the first one. Anyway, whatever. So then Operation Condor is, is about Jackie Chan, who's supposed to be this international spy trying to find hidden Nazi gold, and things go haywire. Hidden Nazi gold? Where's Nicolas yeah. Cage? <laughs> or Harrison Ford. Yeah. Wow. That that Operation Condor, the franchise, and <laughs> Samurai Cop. <laughs> bad. So bad. Again, our question of the week is, which sci-fi technology would most change the world today? So we're going to go through some technologies, talk about their um, implications, and then at the end of the episode, we will pick the technology that would most change how we live our day-to-day lives. And, Colleen, I will let you start off since you gave us such an amazing recommendation. Um, I don't know how many people will be thanking me if they actually watch it. <laughs> uh, but which technology <laughs> do you want us to talk about first? Okay, so the first, my first uh, technology is the sonic screwdriver. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, that's as far as I got because I honestly have no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> 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 I've seen, like, two Doctor Who episodes, and I really wasn't paying that close attention. Um, But I do know that the sonic screwdriver is kind of like a thing, and I was like, hey, why don't I bring that up and see where it goes? Um, To use another franchise, it's sort of like the Omni-Tool in Mass Effect, in that it can pretty much do whatever the Doctor Who writer slash the Doctor needs it to do, with the exception of be a weapon. Its its primary foc- function is to open doors, hence the screwdriver, but also to hack into machines sometimes. The only thing the screwdriver can't do is affect wood, which is why Cybermen have actually taken organic materials out of wood. And organic material, yeah, precisely. Uh, so, so, in other words, it's like R2-D2. Pretty much, Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Oh, okay. It's R2-D2 in a... In a Without the attitude. Tool. Yeah. <laughs> No, the attitude well, that's where the doctor the comes in. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the sonic screwdriver 
It would be nice to have a tool that could open up any door and hack any computer, but it could be extremely dangerous in the wrong hand. Matt. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, like, you know, some guy gets the sonic screwdriver and decides, you know what, I'm going to go to Fort Knox. Well, even then, it depends on which sonic screwdriver you have, because up until the Peter Capaldi doctor, you actually had to use settings. It actually had settings that you had to mess with to do things. Oh, that's like an early model, though. You know, it's kind of like... <laughs> now, the Peter Capaldi the one has the direct thought interface, so... See? It's got Alexa embedded in it. Yes, it does. We, we it, it was a cut episode, but apparently he visited the Amazon headquarters. <laughs> or Google. Well, yeah, what, what's really great is this year in the Christmas special, he's going to wave it at something. It's just going to go, dude, I didn't quite get that. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, yeah, during the whole episode, it'll be doing a software update. Hey! <laughs> it's not a Microsoft product! <laughs> okay, every time you walk past a TV, it starts reading Wikipedia yeah. articles where the commercial's talking about. <laughs> or, like, can you imagine, like, you're, like, you're, like, in the middle of using it, and then it has to pause for, like, a software update? Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> That's the cliffhanger for a part one versus part two. <laughs> Okay, oh, we're going yeah. to steal this this Dalek ship to escape. I'm fading. <laughs> yeah, then, then three weeks later, 30%, son of a... <laughs> I'll take worst times to have a software update. I know, and then it like drops its like network connection or Wi-Fi so it can't completely update. Crap! <laughs> It'd be like, you have a Skype interview for a brand new job that's going to make multi-millions in the interview. I'm sorry, we have to update your device. No! <laughs> Damn it! Oh, love it. Uh, but well, hey, yeah, it I mean, the like... screwdriver would be a nice tool to have. To... Now, honest honest question. Both of you work in corporate settings. I work for the government. So I was thinking about government installation. But as a corporation, uh, would, would, either, would a corporation be willing to sell a tool that could potentially have so much ill use? Uh, hell they yeah, would not be able to legally it. sell it. Are you kidding me? This is Earth we're talking about, so yeah, duh, can you make a buck off of it and sell that? There'd be a huge black market for it. There'd be a huge black market <laughs> a huge for it. market and, for it, period. And you'd be you'd make an insane amount of money selling it to uh, governments. Yeah. But, but I guarantee any country it. that understands what it can do is going to make it illegal to sell on, on, the, uh, on the actual public market. You could probably sell it something like how the iPhone is sold and it's very, you know, it has certain parameters, but then you can unlock it if you buy it and it's illegal, but you can go in and change it and make it do whatever the hell you want it to do. Same kind of thing. You could sell the screwdriver as like, it's only going to work on your house because you can program it, but anyone who has the knowledge could just go in and do a few things with the thought interface and oh, all of a sudden you're getting into everywhere. Okay, yeah, but look, you have, like, computers, right? Computers started with, like, the government, they're like, we have computers and nobody else's, and then now everybody has computers, right? So eventually right. the public had access to it. So oh, yeah. if you a screwdriver, a black market or anyways, I think they can make a hell of a lot more money if you just marketed it to the public, because, like, you, cause you would make so much money off of, like, grandparents buying the little son of a screwdriver to give to, like, their five-year-old grandkids. It would be so the device like big... you have from your like youth, and it would carry. It would be the new school Swiss Army knife. It'd be your omni tool throughout life, as you can use it and upgrade it and things like that. And ironically, it would force people to use older security methods like wooden locks, <laughs> <laughs> or they would develop some sort of organic hybrid lock. Which yeah, I don't... ATMs would pretty much cease to exist. Yeah. Well, I mean. You can make a case that ATMs are on the way out anyway. Yeah, I was about to say, they're kind of going the way of, like, Blockbuster and, like, the payphone. I mean, isn't... I think I saw, I saw a statistic that in the United States, 80% of all transactions involve no cash, and the cash doesn't even exist. It's just purely electronic transfers now. Yeah, well, and the rest yeah. is parking garages and food trucks. Pretty much. <laughs> or that one hot dog stand in your, in your city that only takes cash. We all have one. Yeah. I know. I saw, actually was out walking today, and I saw a sign like on a window that said "cash only," and I was like, "What crazy like third world country are we in? Cash only? What the hell is?" But yeah, Sonic driver. That's a, it's a great choice, uh, and I think that would cause some chaos, but also some good things. 
Well, uh, I think it would destroy I... society as a whole. Just, just. <laughs> it would change because, it, that's for sure. <laughs> because what would happen is I would get my hands on one, and I was well, say, leave it to Matt. To like, <laughs> you know, God. It's just like I think you already win the award for like uh, finding the you know all the inappropriate and misuses of all types of the technology. If there's some way to do wrong with it, Matt will find Well, especially way. if we combine this with his desire to go back in time to prank humanity, he could use the screwdriver <laughs> oh to get into very strange just, places. So, so here, you just combine basically like two technologies, right? Uh, going back in time, so time travel with a sonic screwdriver. Now, you could argue that going back in time itself would have a huge impact on the world because you can literally tr- tr- turn the future into anything. But now you have the, your little your little sonic screwdriver added to that scenario. And I don't know why, but I'm just thinking that Armageddon, that date just, just got reset itself to a hell of a lot closer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just because the first thing I would do is break into Hitler's bedroom literally every night and shave his mustache just to preserve Charlie Chaplin's facial hair for the future. (laughs) Which technology do you want to add to the mix? Okay, I want to bring up the Mass Effect relay from the Mass Effect video game series, because I'm a total dork. Um, I I love those games. You're making me me Google too much right now, Matt. Well, I think Matt can briefly explain how they work. I actually am going to explain. So, uh... So, Colleen, you can go ahead and step away from the Google. (laughs) Thank God! So, in the Mass Effect universe, the Mass Effect relays are a type of faster-than-light travel. Now, the reason I want to bring this up as a separate thing from, like, hyperspeed or warp drive is because it it only has a finite number of destination points that you can travel to and from. You have to actually physically fly to a relay and fly through it to that relay ste- to the relay's destination. You know, it's it's like a two-way radio. There's like exactly. one or two places that can. So you use the relays to jump around the galaxy. Now, another thing with the relays is not only do you have to fly to it and it only takes you to other relays. We didn't build it. We found it. It was already there. And there are two other franchises that have very, very similar ideas to our two other works. The one is Stargate, uh, and not just the Stargates on Earth, but in space they have Super Stargates, um, and those are what's basically the same idea as this. Then there's also a book by Robert J. Sawyer, who's one of my favorite authors, called Starplex. And in that uh, book, it's the same idea almost exactly as Mass Effect, Several races form a commonwealth, and they found these networks. They were built by somebody previously, nobody knows who, but they have to travel to the network. So the nearest one to Earth is actually in the Tau Ceti system, so you, you have to have a hyper, or a pretty fast ship to get there in the first place. But once you Can get, you to get the network, there in less than 12 parsecs? I do not know. It's a very I had good to question. Put that in there. Uh, but yeah, so it's not just Mass Effect. I think Mass Effect does it. The most interesting way, because you as the player can control going through all the different relays, so there's more agency to it. Um, right. But it's it's not a unique idea to Mass Effect, but it is an idea worth worth talking about because it's it would truly change space travel, I would think. Well, uh, something else like with the Mass Effect that. relays is they also come with this species called the Keepers, and nobody knows <clears throat> where the Keepers came from. It's just humanity uh, ran across a Mass Effect relay and then decided, hey, we're just going to fly through this and see what happens. Um, yeah, that, that, by the, a, by the way, that required the them to destroy from, Pluto. Uh, America? Just kind of wondering, because it sounds like yeah. something we do. All right. Yeah, it actually turns out that our system's Mass Effect relay uh, is actually Pluto, in that it turned out Pluto was one that was literally just covered in, in a gigantic ball of ice. And that's actually what Pluto is in this mythos. So it's Makes like sense that is, is Pluto. Pluto is a giant floating hunk of space ice. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, the Keepers maintain the relays and the Citadel, which is the central le- relay that everything goes to. It's, it's a gigantic relay that people actually live on. 
Now, the, the thing for me that makes the Mass Effect Relay so interesting is that it's going to raise more questions than it answers. It's yeah, going to give several. us... Yeah, it's going to give us interstellar travel, but one of the big running questions through the game series, which eventually gets answered, is where the hell did these come from? Why are they here? And it, uh, without diving too deep into the story, it winds up being the big... It winds up being a big part of the plot. It's very existential, isn't it? You know, like, uh, you know... Why, why, why? It's almost like, why? You know, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Where did we come from? What is our purpose? It is, and I actually, I think with a lot of the, you know, the the relays, but also hyperdrive later, any sort of technology where we would potentially meet other intelligent life might have the most important effect because it go, it transcends technological change and it would become existential change. Because, you know, a lot of the science fiction universes hinge on the fact that once we have contact with other intelligent races, humanity starts to think as humanity as opposed to Americans, Russians, Belgians, etc. I don't know if that's true, but that's the catalyst in almost all franchises. Well, we currently did that in Babylon 5 when we encountered them in Bard for the first time. And we were like, hey, we're going to blow that up. And so then we started a war. And instead of thinking, hey, we're Americans and, like, you know, Canadians and whatnot, we're like, we're Earthlings, we're humans. You know, screw you, Mimbari, which I think this idea about interstellar travel is great until you realize that we're probably just going to use it to, like, shoot at other things. Look, that's only guaranteed. Yep. (laughs) We tend to screw this up royally. Uh, pretty yeah, much whenever yeah. we have the chance to do first contact and all, and everything. So well, I'm just it's hey, I mean humanity. How many times like in our own first contact situations on the planet has that ever ended well? Although this, I mean, if the Mass Effect relays, I mean, let's just take the relay technology and not let's take it away from the Reapers and you know the franchise, you know what that is. Take it away from the Reapers and just have the technology. You have this Mass Effect relay, so you have this Super Stargate system that was built by somebody else. But we don't know who they are. There's no sign of them. If you don't encounter any other intelligent life, is the very existence of the life having been ex- having existed in the past, will that be enough to cause the existential change? Or do we yeah. actually have to physically encounter another intelligent race, not just evidence of one? I think what we would do if we had this giant interstellar ring hopping system is that, well, honestly, is that first thing we would do is we're like, hell yeah, now we can go invade the universe. Thank you. But then we'd also probably do this other thing where we would like be like, I know, let's give the universe a Coke. Coca-Cola for everybody. <laughs> Coca-Cola for you. Coke would be like Oprah, right? But like at a universal, like literally universal level. You get a Coke. You get a Coke. Everybody gets a Coke. Bees! <laughs> Ironically, bees are the preferred cuisine on Quattapoti. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we come in peas um, and share a Coke. <laughs> we come in frozen peas from Birdseye. Uh, no. I think you're so, right, though. People would try to, I don't want to say capitalize, but use capitalism with the relays. So, oh, you're damn right they would. I mean, think about, like, It'd be like the, the world's most expensive truck stop. <laughs> I mean, think about I love it. That. Basically, so what you're saying is that each of these Stargate ring, whatever the hell they're called, things is they're all basically just Seven Elevens. No, I, I like the truck stop analogy City. better because now I'm imagining lot lizards in spacesuits. <laughs> they're constantly getting held up by interstellar pirates. Oh my lord! It's like uh, in the movie Spaceballs. Remember when they're like at that little yes. that little spaceport, you know, and they stop to get like the sandwich. I'll have the special. Isn't that where the guy had the? Uh, isn't John Hurt had the alien come out in the diner? Yes. Oh no! Not what did yet. he have? The special. Check, please. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, great choice, Matt. I will introduce my first technology and. Most of mine are going to come from a little franchise known as Star Trek. Oh, there's a shock. Uh, But the first one I want to talk about is the Replicator. Now, for those of you who have not seen the Star Trek franchises that use the Replicator, 
it is essentially taking advantage, full advantage, of E equals MC squared. Energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, meaning that mass and energy are two sides of the same physical coin. Meaning, if you can take energy out of your environment with a strong or weak nuclear force, with enough pressure and relativistic mechanics and some quantum mechanics and maybe some science fiction techno buggery, you can change... Magic! Exactly. You can change energy into matter that actually is real. This is not to be confused with the holodeck. On the holodeck, everything there is just energy. It's purely a hologram, although things can be a little bit iffy in some gray areas. But in a replicator, if you ask a replicator to create a hot chocolate, like Deanna yeah. Troy does frequently, it will be a hot chocolate that will provide you with the nutritional supplements, or lack thereof, of a hot chocolate. The most famous example being tea Earl Grey hot. Replicators can also be used to create non-food substances. You can use replicators to generate new resources for your ship. So, for example, if the outer plating of the ship has been damaged by the Borg, you can use a replicator to fix it and then go install it. Now, a replicator can't create incredibly complex things like dilithium crystals. Those still have to be mined because of plot reasons, and they're a great MacGuffin when they're needed. Uh, but most simple things can be replicated, organic or inorganic. So, in a way, okay, it's like the 3D you know printer, what? but with no limitations on what can be made. Except for okay. those plot devices. Precisely. Yeah, there are no exceptions except for the exception. Yes, but let's take it, the most important thing within Star Trek, the franchises, that the shows that have the replicator, is that it is the source of sustenance. So let's focus solely on that. How would our culture change if everything anyone ever needed for food and drink was available just by pulling the latent energy out of the atmosphere? Okay, two things. One, we'd all die of diabetes because we all get obese. Two, it would put Amazon out of business. Not if Amazon ran the replicator and it was a fee to use it. Yeah, but it... Oh. <laughs> Uh, there's always a way. There. <laughs> there's always a way. But, no, I, I think that the, the first point is probably true, although in some of the shows they have said that you can program the replicator to taste like whatever you want, but it's going to provide the recommended daily percentage of nutrients no matter what it is. Ah, but if I wanted to gorge myself to death on cheesecake, I don't want it making me healthy. That is not the point of cheesecake. They're taking all the <laughs> Out of junk I think you can override it, and you can actually have the true things in it. it like, because you can, you can have it create alcohol, but you have to have an override from the captain for it to be real alcohol and not synthetic. Oh, screw that! No, this is getting way too big brothers for me, man. I don't want to have people like dictating, like you know, like the health or calorie content of my beer. <laughs> Would you like an eight percent alcoholic content in your beer today? Nope. Uh. 100%. <laughs> Hell yeah, there you go. Woo Everclear, hot. Yeah. Oh god, that would be so nasty. <laughs> I mean, Everclear is nasty cold. I can't even imagine how bad it is hot. <laughs> well, okay, I think though what Matt, we, we, I mean not Matt, why? I apologize. Josh, what you were hinting at is that huzzah, now we can finally end world hunger. But... There's, like, the dark side to that is that, like, if we have, like, this little machine or whatever this replicator thing is, is I don't know. You get everybody, honestly, when it comes to sci-fi, my life exists solely within Star Wars. <laughs> so all the rest of it, I'm just like, woohoo! But anyway, <laughs> thank you, Google. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, 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 I guess it's the, the downside to be, like, having this very simple, easy solution kind of, like, would take away our sense of, like, responsibility, right, for, for you know, having people, for examining the real reasons for hunger, right? Like, who cares what those reasons are? Have some, some, have some cheesecake, you know? You don't attack the underlying poverty, so... Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think it... Yeah. So there's, like, some moral or ethical, you know, questions involved. Like, just because we have this easy solution, should we still use it? Because, you know, I think it removes our, what should be, like, our sense of responsibility or our moral obligation, you know, to, to really, you know, investigate these causes. It's not simply just a solution, but you have Precisely. to look at the actual... Right, exactly, you know? So it's I the mean, Jurassic it's literally... Park dilemma. It is. Yeah, and it, it, yes. it, do, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. But, I mean, as... You know, all three of us have historical training. 
we've seen. I mean, look at all the world conflicts. Because the, the theory or the trope, I should say, is even though this isn't a nerd trope, this is a trope of historians, is that all conflicts at some point boil down to conflict over resources, be it land, energy, whatever. Or you I, know, I, two I don't people necessarily with buy that. Egos who just won't exactly shut up. because even if you have resource equanimity. You're still going to have people who fight because of ego, because of other reasons, religion. Um, you're going to have people fighting because of policy differences. So it's not just resource scarcity that causes conflict. That's too simple of an explanation. That's why I think it's a trope. That's why I think it's because it's because we're humans, and that's why I said if we had our giant, you know, star leaping things, we just use it to like yeah, you know, humans are kind of douchebags. Blow up everything. That's that's the theme of today's episode, isn't it, Matt? That's the theme of yeah. People are douchebags. Yeah, I love it. Well, it's more like it's more like you know, it's like if you were to give a small child, you know, something that they shouldn't have, what are they going to do with it? Woo! You know, I mean, it's like we're going to go run off and have fun every day at the party. They're, they're going to figure out exactly what I would do with it and do that. Well, yeah, the other exactly. idea I had with replicator, it's, it's, it's the Matt effect. <laughs> yeah, that's the hashtag for the week. Hashtag Matt effect. Uh, but the other thing I thought with Replicator, because it's already coming up with 3D printers, is the, the fear that you can use a 3D printer to create a, a rudimentary gun. Uh, with a Replicator, you don't have to do anything rudimentary. You could create a massive honking dirty nuke, and it would work. And that's frightening. Uh, so you'd have to have trust in the technology and in the people using it to not create weapons of mass destruction, I don't have that much trust in either the technology nor the general public. And especially not me. <laughs> no. But I'll tell you right now, I don't trust anything that can make a healthy cheese. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to agree with Colleen on that one. It's like, <laughs> it's like the goal of cheesecake is not to be nutritionally sound. The goal of cheesecake is diabetes. The secondary it's goal of cheesecake is to make me is feel better when I hurt inside, okay? And I, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm rewarding myself by eating something healthy. That is not how that works. It wouldn't have worked on the Golden Girls if it had been healthy, I'm just saying. That's the truth. Uh, so, Colleen, what's your next technology you want to introduce? Okay, I, I, have, I have several. Um, but let's see, I'm going to teeny, meeny, miny infinity stones. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this is another one where I'm only like vaguely informed on it because I happen to watch some of the Marvel movies and may or may not have paid attention to some of those movies. But anyway, so it's what I like to call the—not only just the individual Infinity Stones, but all them together. What I like to call the Fist of Fury. Yes, the Infinity Gauntlet. Which, by the way, if Director Fury ever got his hands on it, he could literally call it the Fist of Fury, and that would be amazing. <laughs> Although Sam Jackson would be like, it's the Fist of Fury, mother beep. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Oh my god, please. Okay, anybody who's listening and it has to do with Marvel and those movies right now, please let that be like it, the last, like it's very end, the end scene cut. I would need to see <laughs> Director Fury with the Infinity Gauntlet just having fun, please. <laughs> Eating the shawarma with the other hand. Oh my god, that was just like that, like heart. I just drew. Or eating the shawarma with that hand. <laughs> you, you can open and close your fist with it. Oh my god, yes. That must happen. <laughs> yes, but Colleen, how would having the Infinity Gauntlet change our? <laughs> well, oh come. We'd all have to wait. That's my. You know, we'd all have to bow down or perish, or we'd all like fight over the little jewel things that have little magic powers for some reason. I don't know. I just know it's it's fun. Yeah. The the thing with the the Infinity Gauntlet is if you the gauntlet itself has no power, but if you have a if you have an Infinity Gauntlet with all of the stones in it, you're literally God. Or you have like the best like fashion accessory ever. True. If you were you, you could refashion to it to the Infinity and... Tiara. <laughs> <gasps> oh my God! Yes, like Kingdom of England, you know. But that's awesome. You can have that. So the crown jewels are actually the Infinity Stones. That would yes. <clears throat> yeah. The, th the thing is, each Infinity Stone controls one aspect of reality, and by having possession of all of the stones, you control all of reality. So boom. 
So having all the Infinity Gauntlet with all the stones in its little place is literally going to change everything about everything. Yes. It, it, it literally, as long as you are wearing the gauntlet with all the stones on it, you literally control the entire universe. Didn't Thanos wipe out a significant percentage of life as we know it Half. by closing his fist? Not as we know it. Half of all life in the universe. He clenched his fist to prove his power and to try and woo death because he's got a thing for the, the actual literal character death. Uh, so he closed his fist and half of all life in the entire universe died instantly. Well, oh, now we kn- that explains what happened to the dinosaur. Right? Could you replicate an infinity stone? Ooh, that is a good question. No. And why do you say that? Because for the ability to replicate an infinity stone would require your replicating device to be able to comprehend the structure and material from which it is made, which, because they are from outside of what we can perceive as reality, any computer device created by us would be unable to comprehend the stone itself in order to replicate it. I bet Neo from the Matrix series can rep- get it to replicate. You know, I bet he could do, I bet he could, I bet he could get them to change, like, yeah, we're not acknowledging the any remainder of the series but other you, than the first yeah. one, but <laughs> I bet he could, like, alter their very nature of the Infinity Stones, which is totally off topic, but that would be, a, that'd be really crossover. Neo versus Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. Make it happen. Yeah, although, to be fair with the Matrix, you could also discuss in this, uh, in our uh, discussion today, that would be another technology we could have. The tech, the ability to use the human mind as an energy source. I, I, and I'll, this is appropriate where we need to play the Duracell theme song. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have a question about, like, the potential impact of, like, the, um, the superior. Is that, so, when it alters reality, is it only reality in this universe and, like, or all of the universes? All, the multiverse. Oh, okay. Damn, Marvel thought of everything with that one, didn't they? Yeah. So, so I'd be willing to, to throw it out there and say that the Fist of Fury is like probably what has the potential to have the most impact out there. It mo- it definitely has the most sudden impact. <laughs> oh, nice. But is it a deep impact? Oh God. <laughs> well, it certainly is within the zone of impact, and that's all the impact phrases that I can think of. Yeah, I think we're done with the puns on that one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, great choice, and one that I hadn't thought of. Uh, Matt, what's your next technology? Two lightsabers. So the thing with lightsabers is it's the lightsaber technology, so not just specifically sword-sized lightsabers, but microscopic size, like itty-bitty lightsabers, which... Oh, yes, like the light butter knife. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Like the light carving knife that will lightly toast the turn. But but look, if if you've got like a little short lightsaber with a really thin blade, you can use it for carving turkey, and it would give it that just nice light touch of a char as you're cutting it. (laughs) Oh, so could it have different settings? Could I have one that has like like hickory, you know, settings? So as I cut through it, I get like that nice like hickory Hickory smooth (laughs) lightsaber. Yeah, hickory slice. Well, uh, for, for hickory smoke, I think that would be the uh, the, the slightly reddish brown blade, <laughs> and then for applewood smoke, it might be kind of a pale brownish red. <laughs> I can go into this. Yep. Could you make the, nano-sized lightsabers to go in the body and destroy cancer cells? Well, I was actually thinking using small, like a scalpel-sized one for performing surgical procedures. You you could actually go inside, make a tiny incision go inside with an even smaller lightsaber and flick that on to cauterize uh, severed blood vessels. Yep. It would revolutionize first aid. No, oh, I think the insurance industry would just hate those things. <laughs> the, the medical billing and coding industry. 
You know, like all the insurance uh, companies would be like, oh crap, you know, how many lightsaber related injuries are they going to have to like people putting claims for? This just yeah, in, 45 <laughs> children have lost their hands on Christmas morning with their new lightsabers. Oh my god, like, can uh, you imagine the warnings that they'd have to put on that thing? Can, can you, I want to get back to the medical billing and coding, because I don't know if you remember <laughs> that last year they had those commercials where they say, where it was like, it was like Aetna or Blue Cross or somebody was putting out commercials that said, uh, medical code, you know, 10,683, and, and it would tell what the code was for, and it would always be like the obscure crap. And it's like, you know, you, there would be a medical code, and somebody would have it, uh, lightsaber wound to extremity during physical activity, not first occurrence. <laughs> Yeah, well, we are human after all, aren't we? No, you, you, you'd have one so specific for uh, code 45,420. Lightsaber picked up by dog, accidentally turned on, and a fetch injury to human foot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, that begs the question, like, if you were, okay, so if you were, like, one side of the world and you turn the lightsaber on and you drop it, Right? Does that mean will it fall all the way through until it uh, like goes out the other? Layer? Wouldn't the gravity in the in the Earth's core eventually crush it? Uh, it wouldn't get that far. Like, it stop would. Uh, it my would be destroyed. It would be destroyed in the magma layer because magma. yeah, because the magma would destroy the handle, which contains the circuitry that allows it to but operate. But I can make it better for you, Colleen. You can throw it through a mountain and it will get to their side. Yes. You better have one oh. hell of an arm, boy. Oh my you better God, be like pulling right, man. <laughs> oh, um, no, you put a you put a drone, you put it on a drone, and then you send it through the mountain. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> could you, you imagine know, lightsaber drones? Oh, you oh my know God! I'm just that's imagining that's the Amazon battle. drone delivering a lightsaber and it kicks <laughs> on. <halfway. laughs> Oh, see, I was I was envisioning more like two drones like fighting each other, like you know, aerial battle with lightsabers. But anyway, that would be a way to oh, place like the, ultimate the, fighting, the, like the uh, the the robot wars show. Yeah, like battle pots. Battle pots. Yes. <laughs> battle pots with lightsabers. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Do you think lightsabers would be subject to arms control laws, or would it be more like because knives really aren't? I don't think it would for a very specific reason, being that kyber crystals in the Star Wars, Misa, Star Wars mythos are extremely difficult to get your hands on. So mass-producing lightsabers is not... Uh, not it wouldn't true. be easy. No. It would be as rare as the Wu-Tang album. Oh, oh yes, yes it would. <laughs> But do you remember? I remember how earlier in the episode I was like, I really hope no one out there is building the Death Star. The Kyber crystals is what you know powered the the super the laser lasers. The Death Star. Thank so, you, Rogue One. <laughs> yes, and thank you, Rogue One, for filling that plot hole about why the you know exhaust for it led directly to the Death Star main reactor. But anyway, <laughs> um, poor 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 weapons design. Simple answer. But anyway. Uh, so it's like, so now we have, I mean, obviously it's like we're thinking very specific instance with like our little, you know, lightsaber paring knives, but because it's actually the Kyber crystal that, you know, creates the, the laser sword, then you could use that crystal for other purposes. So the actual technology, I mean, is powered by those little crystals. So well, I think there's, there's two crystals. There's the Kyber crystal for powering, but then there's also specific types of crystals. I can't, I can't remember the individual ones, but I think there's like 10 different types of crystals that are also extremely rare that have to be used for actually focusing it. Well, it's like a, it's like, a, what do you call it? Like a, like a telescope where you have like the little refractor and it's like a light. It's mm -hmm. the light name of the lightsaber. You have to focus it. Otherwise, you could turn it on and the damn thing would just come out sideways and you can fail yourself. Like right. Kylo Ren's cross saver. Yeah. I'm anyway. still not sure how he doesn't ha lop his thumb off with that thing. It's the force, that's how. <laughs> watch that, watch, watch that will happen in episode 8. He'll do some fancy maneuver with it, and the side thing will cut his own hand off. Oh, that would be actually a really nice reference to uh, It would Empire. be, yeah. Especially if we find out that Rey is like... The Skywalker, so we think she's going to lose her hand, but it ends up being Ben loses his hand. <laughs> I would laugh my ass off. <laughs> I, I would laugh so hard in the middle of the theater. I'd just be like, ah, that's what you get, you little emo bitch. <laughs> 
Oh, another Skywalker losing his hand to the dark side. Where have we seen that before? Anyway. <laughs> Which, so, Josh, did aside, you have another one? I, I, did, I did, but as an aside with Skywalker, I did want to say that next time we do Thor's Hammer, I wanted to, to discuss if anyone ever in the Skywalker line would be able to lift Thor's Hammer. So next time we do that, that will come up. Uh, but yes, okay. my, ne- my next technology, uh, also from the Trek universe, but this time we're going to be talking about scrambling atoms, Dr. McCoy's least favorite technology, but maybe the most influential, the transporter. So the transporter by now is a trope. But for listeners who don't understand why there's a transporter, let's take you back to the lovely year of 1967 and the first year of production for Star Trek at Desilu Studios, pioneered by Lucille Ball. Thank you, Matt. Didn't you mean, Josh, let us transport you back to yes. 1967? <laughs> yes. Okay, but we're going to have to call Jason Statham to do it. <laughs> uh, so, the... The writers for the show, Star Trek, needed to have a way to get the people on the ship to a planet. And the initial idea was to have shuttlecraft. And you're thinking, well, yes, they have shuttlecraft in the show, in the original series. Why don't they just use that all the time? The problem is the shuttle was another set. They didn't have the money at the time to build another set. So they decided to come up with a way to use the simple fade-in, fade-out technique... And they called also known it, as the Ken Burns effect. Exactly, and they called it the transporter. And if you and the transporter room of the original series is actually the transporter room of the next generation flipped. The roof on TOS is now the ceiling, and vice versa. Uh, so it's the same set through the first 35, 40 years of the franchise. For those of you who are not Trekkers. Uh, but you've all seen transporters, and you've seen similar transmat beams in other franchises. It's the basic idea that you can take a person, scramble their atoms into bits, and reconstitute that person or that thing at point B at a certain distance away, and then everything will be exactly the way it was at point A, and you have effectively had instantaneous travel across a very large distance. Uh, In fact, in the J.J. Abrams universe, you can actually transport using warp drive, which we'll probably get to in a minute, and go a long ways. But even within the universe of Star Trek that actually is good, a transporter can take you quite a ways from a ship to a planet, anywhere on planet Earth. So you could transport from Seattle, Washington, USA, to Sydney, Australia, to Cape Town, South Africa, and back to Seattle in the span of five minutes. It's a massive change. So, I ask you both, how would transporters change our society? I just want to point out that it works excelsior in space balls, in which case you can't even transport from one room to another room that's next door to each other without getting your head screwed on backwards. That is correct. <laughs> um, well, I, uh, I, I don't think we'd have to worry about booking issues on United anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Is that uh, too soon? No. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll wait for our comments and we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was gonna say that the TSA would be pissed. <laughs> well, you have to imagine this is another technology the government would want to restrict, right? I mean, if everyone had a transporter pad in their <clears throat> own house, they, they they would not like that very much. I mean, come on. The FAA is trying to restrict, you know, the flight paths of drones. Of course, they want to restrict Exactly. Can, can, you, can you imagine the nightmare of trying to prevent smuggling? Oh, good uh, God. Is that just kind of like a nightmare that of trying to prevent smuggling today? It would be even worse because there, there's no travel time for them to oh be caught during. Unless you put a samurai cop on the case. I just, oh no, I just thought of a really great uh, reality TV show. So like today, you know, we have border wars. It would be transporter wars. Yes. (laughs) I'd watch that. 
Whoever can transport this elephant the fastest and still be an accurate elephant wins. Oh, you kind of meant like I'm if you sorry, were like the trunk is coming out of the base of its neck. You're disqualified. <laughs> I meant it kind of like you know. So border wars is like you know with people on the mainly on the Mexican and uh, U.S. border, right? You know, with doing border patrols and being like the same thing except with like with. Border. Could you imagine illegal immigration? <laughs> uh, like immigration would be like done. Because you could be like, yeah, bye-bye, and you all of a sudden you have, like, all these North Koreans showing up in the United States asking for asylum. And we probably – we would have to say yes because, you know, we should. We should say yes. But immigration – the restrictions on immigration, so the flow of people and the flow of goods is both gone. I mean, that sort of infrastructure is just gone. Maybe it would lead to the dissolution of national borders as a whole. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I'm being an optimist here. I'm being an optimist. What's the uh, optimism? The only uh, way we would be able to dissolve all of our borders is if Mr. Fist Fist of Fury came in and took over everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay Samuel with L. Jackson was the world president. I mean, I'm not fighting Samuel L. Jackson with or without the gauntlet. <laughs> no, I was going to no, say, no. I think I'd be okay with that too, actually. So. I mean, he was able to fight snakes on a plane. He can probably rule the world. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, hell yeah. I would be okay with this, but yeah, so, I mean, it would change transportation. It would clearly change travel of goods. It would allow for easier space travel because you could beam up and down to the spacecraft without having to launch. And if you, okay. take, away, if you take away the launching, you take away a lot of the, the fuel needed. I call dibs on owning uh, the official government website, transportertravel.gov. And also .com and .org. <laughs> I'm just going to cover all of that. <laughs> .uk, .au. Just doing that right now. You know what I mean? Because you don't need you know, like United Airlines or anymore, American Air. Like, you just go to one place that you need to book your you know, your, your uh, intergalactic travel. And that would be transportertravel.com. Welcome to transportertravel.com. After your journey, you'll be so beaming happy. And, you know, and you can search it for your lowest fares, just like you can <laughs> You want to get beamed? Will... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let us beam you up. But then, of course, the medical billing and coding comes in again with transporter psychosis and the, the discombobulated <laughs> atoms. But think about, like, how fragile the human body chemistry is. I mean, say, for example, just the pH of your stomach acid is wrong. Oh, good God, you're dead. You know what I mean? Like, it's something Unintentional so relocation of stomach acid <laughs> while transported. <laughs> Medical code, 832,946. <laughs> so if nothing else, use... this technology would change medical billing so much. That's also known internally as a you-screwed clause <laughs> code. <laughs> I wonder if accidental dismemberment covers that. Well, I mean, hey, in Harry Potter, if you get spliced, you're just kind of, you know, SOL. <laughs> we've we've had an accident where you have now been combined with the body of a giraffe, um... It's going to be a strange life for you, Larry, but we wish you all the best on the Savannah. Well, it's okay. We'll just call the collector, and he can go add them to his collection. Nice. We'll Everybody bring back wins. the cat whisperer from a few weeks ago, and we'll need them again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, I think the next technology, we're running a little bit low on time, hmm. but I want to make sure we talk about the technology, which is warp drive. I mean, when, when you think science fiction... You probably think warp drive. Or for that me, is... you think hyperdrive. Well, yes, same thing. I'm calling it by its proper pronunciation from 1967. Blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, either way, we're talking, let's just use the scientific term, FTL, faster than light travel. We don't have to get oh, into this. I call it, I call it FAF. That's a <laughs> But, uh, yeah, FAF travel. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's my new airline. <laughs> no, it's FTF, faster than. No, um. <laughs> that's another website that Colleen is buying right now. <laughs> uh, no, no, seriously, work drive, hyperdrive, FTL, FAF would, would change a lot. I mean, beyond transportation... We get into that question again of we could actually explore space. So on the good side, 
we would maybe think of ourselves as humanity. We could find new worlds and seek out new civilizations. Yes, I'm quoting the beginning of Star Trek. And then we, promptly, like, you know, blast them into them. oblivion. Blast them well, into oblivion, and I am quoting Star Wars. Would we so, blast them, or would we exploit them like the British when they came to the United States and started exploiting the resources of the native peoples? Okay, so it, it, is this the part where uh, where I you break everything? You blast them, and then you exploit the survivors. That oh, is how course, it works. Of course, of course. It's the smallpox blanket theory. Oh, I'm uh, going to bring it up. Uh, of course, that makes sense. But yeah, we, I mean, I don't have enough faith in humanity to actually go out amongst the stars and be full about it. Um, well, I, I mean, trust me, with our luck, we would bounce through a supernova, and that would end our exploration real quick. Yeah, and we would somehow trigger... The, Star Wars. Maybe we have gone back in the past and triggered the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way. Ooh, plot twist. I blame Matt. Yeah. <laughs> we, he used a so sonic th- screwdriver where he shouldn't have. So, so this is the part where I find a way to break it, right? Yes, break FTL, F-A-F. Um, let's see. Break, break FTL. <clears throat> okay, um, you're flying back to Earth using FTL, and you don't come out of it in time. What happens on impact? Because there's, if you're moving at literally faster than the speed of light, that's, that's really, really fast. That's... Uh, You'll be vaporized, and most of Earth will be... Yeah, it's like, if you're in just, like, a single-person ship going, even just at the speed of light, you're, you're talking, what, 671 million miles per hour? You know, give or take a ton. Although, yeah. I have a point that can break your breakage, so it's literally a point break. Um, within certain I contexts, think my mind just broke. Within certain contexts of FTL... The only way it works, because, let's be honest, relativity, Einstein says we can't go faster than light, boo-hoo, Albert. Uh, But it works if you go into subspace or an alternate form of space, basically using string theory to have a a sub-strata. So you're not in technical space. And so if you're coming toward Earth, you just go right through it because you're not occupying the same level of existence when you're in hyperdrive. Okay, uh, but now you've opened think, the door for supervillains. I was about to say, I don't think that um, I was operating at a different level of existence is going to hold up in court. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but th- this opens the door for supervillains holding a planet hostage. It does, because you can remove it from its typical plane of existence. Well, I, not, thought we not already, I thought we already covered this with could, the fist of fury. You could use you could use the theory of it moving you into subspace to target uh, remotely detonated explosive devices such as nuclear bombs to put them on tectonic fault lines around the world, and then you could literally hold a planet hostage. Okay, all right, Matt. Just a quick question: Are you skyping with Lex Luthor right now? Possibly. <laughs> Hello, Mr. President Luther. Nice to, oh meet, nice to have you on Big Nerdy Questions. Um, hey, I have no. an idea. I know something that could break the FTL. Hmm. Any one of Han's modifications. Done. <laughs> That's true. His modifications always break. Well, when Chewie goes into FTL, he gets a really bad hairball. It's horrible. <coughs> it sounds like Matt just had one. Can't be helped. <laughs> Let the Wookiee cough. <sighs> And I, I do want to bring up one other technology. Um, JP did send in some thoughts, uh, even though he's at that fan convention for Barney. Uh, but he wanted us to talk about the Universal Translator. The Babblefish! Uh, yes, the Babblefish. Uh, so before I say what he said, what are you guys' quick thoughts on the Universal Translator? Babblefish! It's a website. <laughs> well... <clears throat> It's also from Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's also an extension of the TARDIS in uh, Doctor Who. And it's an extension of the computer in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the Babblefish is super cute if you ignore the whole, like, in-your-ear-canal-brain in thing. Well, it's not as bad as the one in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Khan! <laughs> mm. 
after the music cue after it, because I love the music in that film. But anyway, JP says, I'd like to submit the Universal Translator to the list. Um, a lot of our problems in society come from different cultures not being able to understand one another, and removing language barriers would do wonders for that. I'm not saying a Universal Translator results in instant world peace, as it doesn't force people to actually listen, but if you want something that would change society by altering how its members treat one another on the most basic levels, then this is it. What do you guys I think would, about that? I think really cool, instead of just translating language, you know, because you know, translating uh, English into Chinese or even uh, or Chinese into English is very difficult because there's so many things about those two languages that just don't align, uh, specifically, particularly idioms. <laughs> but yep. uh, yes. that would be great if... It could translate anything that you totally understand. So I could be speaking in slang, and then I, and then whoever I'm talking to, whatever language or culture they're from, mm-hmm. they get the automatic yeah. translation for the equivalency that makes sense to them. That'd well, be all tone, amazing. tone, metaphor, idiom, all of that. I mean, and there are words in other languages that don't exist. There's no English equivalency either, right? Exactly. Just like in Latin, there's no word for, you know, I'm trying to think of something that's fairly modern, uh, Victrola from the 19th century, there's no word in Latin for that, but there's a lot of things that don't have the concept across languages. Or even, so it could translate written languages, it could even translate um, dead languages, it could translate um, even signed languages, like sign language, you know, I mean, all that. Fictional languages! Okay, yeah, sure. So anyway, if you want to speak Elvish or Klingon, there you go. But um, what about in, like people who are, are who are deaf, right? And uh, maybe it could even you know like communicate telepathically to each other or whatever it is. It would just translate anything. Uh, automatic understanding. Boom, you're there. Can we go one step further? Can we use this to speak to dolphins? Oh, I don't know. We have to. We have to talk to Aquaman, and I'm sure Peter would be involved in that somehow. But you know, but I mean, to dolphins, to dogs. I think it would be amazing if we could actually use a universal translator to speak to our animal brethren. Oh, and then we would find beyond, out but... for uh, for sure that your cat is indeed plotting to kill you. We know this. <laughs> Cats are the Lex Luthor of the world. There's that meme going around. I think, Matt, you shared it, right? Where uh, we know the world isn't flat because cats would have shoved everything off the edge by now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, 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 yes, I shared that on Facebook. Uh, nice. Yeah, when your cat is more thug than you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> no, 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 Kitty, Kitty no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Kitty, yeah. But talking to, cause, and I bring that up because in a lot of science fiction literature, in like 200 years from now, dolphins, dogs, and sometimes pigs have been evolved by us to the point where they have achieved sentience and are part of our interstellar cruise. We would need a universal translator for that to work. For sheep. Yeah. Always excluded. I, I, would, I would not mind having a sheep crew member. If for no other reason than every couple of months we can make a new sweater for a uniform. You know who would make terrible crew members? Goats. They, they would just constantly try to climb on top of everything. I would make the goat the entertainment officer so they can just do that random goat sound in random songs. <laughs> oh my god, I think we've officially been talking for too long. Yes, uh, but yeah, Universal <laughs> Translator, that's the JP. So let's go ahead and wrap this up, and I, I will say JP's pick for the most important one of all is Warp Drive. Uh, but let's see Hyperdrive, FAF Travel. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, of all the technologies we mentioned, what would have the biggest impact on society as a whole? Colleen, I'll start with you. Fist of Fury. I can't say you're wrong. It would change everything. It might destroy everything. Uh, Matt, what's your pick? I feel like the, uh, the the Infinity Gauntlet's a little too much of a MacGuffin, so I'm going to give it to the Sonic Screwdriver. It would change because, a lot of things. Matt, I would change a lot of things with that. You just <laughs> you just want your hands on one of those. You can just wreak havoc upon the universe. <laughs> And I'm oh my god, choose... and how is that How is that different from the Fist of Fury, then? <laughs> and I'm going to choose the, the Replicator. I think the Replicator could have the most good, but also cause the most problems. Hell yeah, I do not want healthy cheesecake. I'm just saying that again. <laughs> uh, but that, those are our picks. Oh, and by the way, you're probably thinking to yourself, 
Where the hell is time travel? Well, in our first season, the three of us actually already did a whole episode on where we would go if we had the ability to time travel and what we would do. So go back to the first season and watch that episode, or not watch, listen to that episode, and you'll know what, what how time travel would affect society. So that's why we didn't cover it this time. Um, but those are our picks for which which things would most change society from science fiction. I want to. That's actually you. funny, Josh, that you mentioned that. If you want to hear more about travel, time travel, you must go into the past. Yes, you must. The Plot twist. Ha ha ha. Uh, but thank you, Colleen, for being on the show as always. Uh, thank you, Matt and Josh. And Matt, thank you and use your newfangled technology, sir, to kill the Gungan. Well, tonight, Josh, we gave the Gungan ideas. He, he keeps listening to our show and getting ideas. And he decided to use his brand new Amazon FAF navigation system to... Across the galaxy, and well, he miscalibrated it and flew it directly into the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. Mr. Go! <laughs> yeah, with our luck, he'll just like reappear right back at the, his starting point. Yeah, yeah, he'll drop into the singularity and come back out as a as a mecha jar jar. Oh my God! And if he comes back wearing the Infinity Gauntlet, I am so blaming you. Matt. <laughs> That's the nightmare, isn't it? Jar Jar with the Infinity Gauntlet. Sarah Connor, come with Misa if she wants to live. Now that Star Wars and Marvel are both done by Disney, this could happen. Ah! No! God! Nightmare! No! I refuse! I refuse to acknowledge Jar Jar as my new god overlord. (laughs) Bow down to Jar Jar Binks. No. No, no. I must tell you that um, even with controlling the, the little mind gym that I will still resist. And that is the theme of tonight's episode. No matter what technology brings, resist Jar Jar's influences. <laughs> for Colleen and for Matt, this is Josh thanking you once again for listening to the only show that kills off Jar Jar Binks every week. Big nerdy questions. Go have fun with your sonic screwdriver, but remember, don't try to open a wooden lock. Good night, everybody. Oh,